y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. Michelle could not be with us today because she is holding it down in St. Louis. So please keep her in your prayers as she is fighting the good fight uh, of faith on behalf of our people. So uh, as y'all know, this table is built by black women and for black women. So how y'all doing? Wow. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up. That's a manly well. well. (laughs) That's a manly well. Who that is? (laughs) Yay, y'all. We have Pastor Russ Whitfield with us this day. He is with us. (laughs) Hey, y'all. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're holding it down in D.C. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes. Well, let me let our listeners know a little something about our friend, Pastor Russ Whitfield. He serves as pastor and founder of Grace Mosaic, a cross-cultural church in Northeast Washington, D.C. He is also the director of cross-cultural advancement for uh, the Reform University Fellowship and a guest lecturer in practical theology at Reform Theological Seminary's Washington, D.C. campus. After graduating from New York, NYU, New York University, he attended Westminster Theological Seminary where he received an MDiv. So welcome to the table, Thank Pastor you. Russ. How Thank are you? you? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be with y'all. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate your voices and what you are, what you're doing to try and bless the people. So thank you for letting me have a little have a little space we try, on here. We're trying to bless the people. We try. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. May the blood clean it up. May the blood clean yeah. it up. Amen. And amen. Blood well, still works. Come on, Jesus. So, <laughs> so y'all know, you all know we have been making our way through our series, Multi-Ethnic Churches, A Foretaste of Heaven, or Bulwarks of, Bulwarks of White Supremacy. Mm. And so we thought it would be great to hear from an actual pastor um, who <laughs> pastors a multi-ethnic church. And uh, Russ Whitfield is a great, is a good friend of ours, a friend of the table. And yeah, we just wanted to hear from him and talk to, to somebody who is actually doing this work, yeah. this mm. gospel work and making, and, and just bringing a lot of light. Uh, mm. Well, I shouldn't say light, but really, um, uh, showing off the glory of Christ, right, yeah. right there mm-hmm. in DC. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we're honored to have you, of course, Russ. And just wanted to ask you about your own uh, theo- theology. What is it that undergirds uh, your own mission and uh, passion for s- not only just planting a cross-cultural church, but actually pastoring one? Um, mm-hmm. And I know that you've been doing so for several years. So, what m- what keeps you committed to that? And what what is your own theology? framework for doing so? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's partly my story, but also um, mm-hmm. my theological framework. You know, I'm a son of the black church and uh, I, I don't know anyone who's been in more black churches than me. Uh, I grew up, my dad's a preacher and uh, he was a, an itinerant gospel singer too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so mm. I was in church six days a week um, we did the opposite of like Sabbath one day a week. And then, you know, you out <laughs> in the rest of the world, uh, we were in church six days a week and maybe took a day off. And I grew up in that context. I came to faith in college and, um, I've just been, I've been struck by, um, 
the opportunity that there is uh, in a cross-cultural setting for the church to live into the mission uh, that God has. So after training, going to seminary, um, and thinking about like what kind of ministry I wanted to do, the more and more I started to, to see in Scripture, like the story, right? The story begins... Uh, it, the story begins in the beauty of harmony uh, in creation and among people. Sin ruins it. Christ redeems it. And then he begins to send out his people as like the Easter people. We're the resurrection people. So we believe yeah. That, yeah. that there's a God who brings life out of death and mm-hmm. he brings opportunity out of missed opportunities. Like he he's redeeming this thing. And so when I, I've been struck by the book of Acts, because the book of Acts, mm-hmm. it just it pushes us to consider uh, the trajectory uh, that Christ has for the church. And so when we look at the, 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 the New Testament uh, vision for working out the shared mission, I, I see just like the unique effectiveness of the cross-cultural yeah. church it's in terms of potential at, at the least. And so, I, I mean, it goes from just like, you know, it goes from the church rocking it in Jerusalem. You know, Acts 2, remember, they're still doing ministry among people who, who share their, their core commitments and they want to stay in that groove, right? They're like, yo, people are coming to faith. We're doing ministry around our people. This is, this what's up right here. And then it, they do not leave that context until God in his sovereignty, he strikes them with persecution through Stephen's persecuted. He's martyred. And then they wind up boom, 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 boom. They end up with the Samaritans. Then they end up seeing the Samaritans come to faith. Then it's, a black African the Ethiopian unit comes to faith, right? Mm-hmm. And yep, then yep. it's a great enemy of the faith, Saul of Tarsus. He comes to faith, and then it's it's the Gentile Cornelius, and then it gets to ultimately Antioch, where you have the church uh, basically being just blown up into a cross cultural community, and it names uh, the leaders by their ethnicity in Antioch, yep. and they right. represent the world. And then when I read the New Testament letters, I just I, I think they're they're addressing the issues that pertain to a cross cultural community and the way that that cross cultural community works out the mission. And I'll just say this, uh, and then I'll I'll take a breath because um, you get me going, y'all. You get me going. Um, <laughs> so I, I, honestly, I, I think that cross cultural churches. One of the things that I appreciate um, and that I think is important about the cross-cultural church relative to the mission and the opportunity right now in our cultural moment is that I think cross-cultural churches undermine the narrative that Christianity is intolerant. Uh, mm. Because the reality is this, there is no more multi-ethnic faith than the global Christian faith, all right? Mm. It, there is no other faith more, more diverse. And um, what's, mm-hmm. inter- what's interesting is that, that is 70% of atheists are white males. Uh, and mm-hmm. so when you start mm-hmm. thinking about the, the, the narratives uh, that, are, that are at play here, you see on the media, oh, Christians are intolerant and this and that and the other thing. Well, when you see a cross-cultural community living together in love, aspiring to build their lives together, it really subverts that. And, and I think mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. In local expressions, we can more faithfully represent the global reality. So, I find that compelling um, to, to 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 encounter what is uh, you know largely a homogeneous movement uh, mm-hmm. against Christianity. Mm. Mm. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah. Well, 
I appreciated that little Bible study in there, Pastor Russ. <laughs> <laughs> that Pretty was funny. super helpful. Uh, so just a couple questions about just kind of on the ground practical stuff. So what yeah. what is the, what is the community where you are privileged to pastor? What does that community, I guess, look like and feel like? And and what are maybe some of the unique opportunities and struggles of a multi-ethnic or cross-cultural rather uh, church community? Mm, I love that question. Uh, my community is a moving target. <clears throat> Historically, DC's Chocolate City, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that was that was from the 50s yeah. uh, forward, and it's only recently dipped below 50% uh, African American demographic. My neighborhood is still uh, I would I would say like, when I checked the demographics when we planted uh, 65% uh, African American, and then it's just a mix from there. Uh, but I I think that that is changing. We're living in you know the times where the people with money who left the city long time ago said, oh, you know what? Actually, we want to come back. And then they're flooding the city with money again, and uh, it's changing the neighborhood. And so we're in the midst of that. Like, how do you live in the midst of uh, a changing, transitioning, gentrifying place uh, and love the people who have been here uh, and honor and value and and franchise and empower as much as it's within your power, the people who have been here who say, this has been my neighborhood for generations, And you're coming in, mm. like, how do we navigate that? Like, we're in the middle of that. Um, mm. And then I think yeah, we're, yeah. we're in the middle of the socioeconomic uh, challenges as well. I mean, we, had, we have a lot of achievers uh, in D.C., but particularly in our neighborhoods, because our neighborhoods where people want to live when they've decided they want to stick around D.C. for a little while. Mm-hmm. And so um, we got the people who are doing the big things. And then you have uh, folks who... Um, they're not doing those kinds of things that, that life has been hard uh, and mm. they're trying to figure out how to survive. And so um, we're basically to put this, to put a, a point on it, we're, we're in the middle of the polarities like that. That's, that's where we mm. are. And that's where I've always wanted to be because I think mm. it's in the context of, of seeing uh, a union of the polarities that the, that the gospel really shines. Mm. So, yes, Unique challenges. I mean, here are some unique challenges. I mean, you know, for some people, they all they have ever known is a church that they've gone to where everyone is like them. And there is something uh, comfortable and good about that at a certain level. Um, and then there are other things where it's like uh, that has come with blind spots and, and has been attended by weaknesses. Right. And so um, so I. We have folks who uh, who have never been a part of this kind of church before. And it's like it's calling all different kinds of questions into their minds. And they're like, hold up. Like they are being confronted with stuff uh, and growth opportunities that they never had to be confronted with because they didn't have to figure out how to live in love and forbear and be patient and forgive people in their own church community like they're having to do that now. And then there are folks who they're they're down. They know what the multi-ethnic thing is. They know what the cross-cultural thing is. They think, but really, what they want is like a it's like sort of like a plantation diversity, where you, there were there were different color people on the plantation. There were different color people. There are different shades of people. Like everyone looked 
you know, there, there were different looking people on the plantation, there but the, sure, sure. the power dynamics were not the same and the mm. value for others was not the same. There were clear lines where these people had power. These people did not. Yep. These people were valued. These people were disenfranchised and degraded. So some people, they want the power dynamics from their old church to be at work in this multi-ethnic church. And it's mm. it's unsettling when we say no, that's not that's not how it's going to work. Yeah, it's not going to go like that. And, and it comes down into like particular practices, like uh, yeah. leadership, uh, who we're investing our time in, what kind of liturgical choices we make, what kind of music we do. Good. It's everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything. You know, the initiatives that we make, where we spend our dollars, where I spend my pastoral time, right? Like, yeah. so yeah. I commonly uh, have to. Uh, tell my people, like, look, I am aiming to make my personal calendar a reflection of my commitments as a cross-cultural pastor. So mm-hmm. if in my mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. I am not spending time with people who are struggling to make ends meet, if you don't see that in my calendar in the, calendar in the week, I'm failing to be faithful to the mission that we have shared together here. If mm-hmm. you don't see me spending time with people mm-hmm. across the ethnic spectrum here, then I'm failing here. Like, and then just go down the line of our commitment. So I think it's a struggle for some people because they, they like the idea of different color people yeah. being together, <laughs> but they don't, <laughs> but I think, I think all of us, yeah, we all have to um, cross that line where we realize, Oh, this is, this doesn't come for free. This, this, this cost, this costs me something like th- this is costly and to be yeah. willing to pay those costs. I mean, that's, so those are struggles. And then I think, honestly, like when when you're uh, trying to navigate like choices and and the thing, the initiatives that you do as a church, when you're cross cultural, sometimes it's not as self-evident what you're supposed to do uh, mm-hmm. or how other people are going to experience it. You spend a lot of time doing data collection. And I, I I'm constantly thinking and, and you just spend a lot of time, honestly, frankly, you spend a lot of time repenting all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example, right? We yeah, tend to think, yeah, I like, I, I look, look, I'm going to tell you something. This, this joint rocked me. I felt so bad. <laughs> I felt so bad, y'all. Y'all, look, this, this, this joint humbled me. So I'm always thinking about black folk because I'm black. And so I be thinking about my people, <laughs> all right? I mean, it's, but it's I'm half white too, you know? Yeah, I, and I'm always I'm always thinking about uh, my my uh, Latino Absolutely. brothers and sisters, right? I'm always Absolutely. I'm always thinking about them. I, I'm always thinking about mm. uh, Asian brothers and sisters, Korean, Japanese, you know, a, I'm Central Asian, everybody. I always think about them. I always think about Native. Mm. We don't have many Native uh, American family mm. members here in in the district, but like I'm always thinking about them. But I didn't realize it till I was preaching through a book of the Bible, Gospel of John. And Gospel of John is really, really like, if you read it just on the face of it, it sounds really hard on the Jews. And Mm -hmm. we have a sister Mm -hmm. in our church who is, she is culturally Jewish. That's her heritage. She's a Christian, Mm -hmm. but she's culturally Jewish. And so I I was thinking about her, right? Mm -hmm. As I was framing up this series and I was like, all right, I got to navigate this. I got to unpack the nuances here. I got to make sure that you know, she knows, mm-hmm. I know she's there and I'm trying to think about her. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was working hard, y'all. I was putting all my heart into that thing. And then about <laughs> halfway, halfway through the series. Now we were about in chapter five of the gospel of John. 
she came up to me after service and she said, Pastor Russ, I, I just need to tell you um, how painful it's been uh, to sit uh, mm-hmm. under this, uh, this gospel of John stuff and in, in this for the last couple of weeks. And when mm-hmm. I tell you, it wrecked me, it wrecked me so bad because mm-hmm. I was trying y'all, I was doing everything oh, I right. could. And immediately, like I had the opportunity, I had to either choose, right? I could have gotten defensive and been like, mm-hmm. look, I've been trying. Look, you just need to like toughen up. Like I've been trying, you know, like why, why, why you got to feel it like this? Why you got to be so upset about it? You know, but I just, in the moment, it, it was like God broke my heart for my own failure to actually get it across. Like, even though I was making the effort, my effort wasn't good enough. And so in that moment, I could either get defensive or I could walk repentantly. And I said, sister, I am so sorry. I, I can only imagine what this must feel like because she's married to a Chinese brother. And then their children, they're trying to navigate the bicultural, biracial thing. And she's saying it's hard to get them to embrace their Jewish identity. Mm. Right. Like, so, Ah. so I was just like, there were all kinds of dynamics. And I said, you have my word that I, I am going to, I am going to do better. I, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to figure out how to navigate this thing. Now, check this. I changed Bible translations because I thought it would be more, um, it, 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 uh, it does an interpretive translation of the Jews in, mm-hmm. that, in the Gospel sure. of John. It, it, it works it out. Now, check it. I changed that. Uh, I sent her email. She's a busy, high-powered woman. Like She's just doing, she's working for a big organization. She's like a baller shot caller. Um, I didn't hear two years later, two years later, we were at a barbecue and, uh, we, you know, our church barbecue is like a mug because that's how I overcome my, my mediocre preaching. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm good at barbecue y'all. I, you know, I, I make up for my preaching weaknesses. It really you know? makes everything better. Hallelujah. The, the high priestly ministry, the, 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 uh, the offering is laid on the altar. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, uh, right. Yes. It's pleasing in his side. The Lord said he wanted the fat portions, y'all. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so anyway, two years later, we were at a party and she and I were talking. She said, oh, by the way, I realized I never, I never told you. It meant a lot when you made that adjustment and I could tell how hard you were working. To, to make sure oh, that I was God. cared for well in, in the preaching. Uh, mm. And uh, I just want to say thanks. That was two mm. years later, y'all. Listen, I didn't know. I, I was checking in to try and see how I was doing, but I didn't want to be overbearing. Like, you know, like, please mm. take me by the yeah. hand to teach me everything about Jewish culture. I had to take initiative on my own to learn about mm. her culture. I couldn't mm. put it all on her. And so wow. I didn't yeah. hear anything. I didn't hear anything. And guess what? I had to get myself to a place where I said, I can't pat myself on the back. This is like, this is justice. This is an issue where she deserves to live in a community in the fellowship of faith where she is valued and loved to the degree that people will break a sweat to try and love her and include her and enfranchise her. And so like, you know, I can't pat myself on the back for doing right. Like I'm supposed to do right. What? Like, are you kidding me? Like- so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. it was just a grace that two yeah. years later, I I just got a good encouragement from her mm-hmm. and from the Lord to like keep on pressing. Like I was breaking a sweat, y'all. That was hard work <laughs> because you don't yeah, realize sure. you don't realize how how sometimes people who have lived on the margins, like you don't realize the degree of their marginalization. Yeah. It's deep. It's deep. Yeah. It's and nice so. Place, for sure. 
anyway, th- that's an example of like, I just personally, as a pastor, like brown folk don't get to, you know, we're not just automatically experts at this, even though we have a little bit more experience in navigating For the sure. world of difference. Absolutely. Like we, we have to pay attention to what's happening with majority culture because, you know, our, our destinies are sort of affected by what happens in majority culture. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're not automatically good at loving the difference. So we, too, have to stretch and grow and lean into the gospel and our need to walk in grace and forgive and forbear and speak the truth and love and all of that. So, I mean, and even pastors aren't exempt, too. That's good. You know, like we got to. Oh, yeah. Just because I pastor a cross-cultural church, don't it don't mean that I'm some kind of I'm some kind of expert at this, like. My wife will tell you, Vanessa, she is a cross-cultural girl. She's an international woman. She's half Argentinian, half Haitian. Mm-hmm. She speaks to our kids in Spanish. She grew up here in French and Spanish. I grew up in, mm-hmm. y'all know what they say is in between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia is Alabama. That's where I grew up. I grew up in the country, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I didn't, I have brown skin. I'm half black, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Pennsylvania. So um, <clears throat> that's where I grew up. And even though I have brown skin, I didn't realize uh, until I was dropped in New York City and experienced a culture shock of being surrounded by different people, I didn't realize how parochial I was. And so um, being married to Vanessa has been like, she has been one of the most formative people in my life in terms of helping me to see the other and and embody like that changed life of of really living, seeing life through the eyes of the other, so yeah yeah and looking and looking out for those on the who are even on the further margins than we are right that's right um that's really good that's because if if we're the margins which we are then you don't know how deep the margins go then (laughs) you know really um and so it it goes it's the margins are far deeper you know Mm. um and then then than the straight black male and female yes. um, um, yes. people. And so yes. uh, that's not to say we ain't marginalized, but trust, nope. it goes you deeper. Know, you know, that's if you can't really listening, listening, uh, listening to you also, Pastor Russ, I was thinking kind of the story that you told about your, um, the, you know, the sister in your church. That mm. That is yeah. the difference mm-hmm. between what we call impact versus intentions, right? And so in people mm. who do like diversity diversity and inclusion work, whether it's in industry yep. or uh, business or higher education, that's a lot of mm. times what things boil down to. Like we, we're often like, well, my intentions are not to offend you. My intentions mm. are not to give a microaggression. My intentions are, I'm right. not, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Mm. I, I, you know, but impact is really <laughs> what we have to worry about, what right? What matters, yeah. And yeah. the way my, that people lead after being in our communities is very important. And um, intention mm-hmm. oftentimes is what, we, is what we focus on because we want to self-protect and we want to, mm-hmm. um, and we, yeah, we, absolutely. And we don't want to repent. But if mm. we focus on the impact, what was the harm that has been done to this person and mm. allowing them to communicate that to us, then we can actually offer them up a measure of love that communicates something mm. authentic to them. So, but listening to yeah. that, I was really thinking Amen. about that intention versus impact that's conversation good. that's really important for people to have. It's like, it doesn't matter that I, I tried. Mm. It, it, it didn't it didn't fully mm. convey that to my na- my neighbor, so let me try it again. So I think that's really great. Mm. Kim, you had a question yeah. for us? Yeah, I do, yeah. And I think, um, just to piggyback off of that, I think it's, um, I'm, I'm just glad that she told you 
that mm, a lot of people yeah. don't, you know, they don't always feel comfortable approaching their pastor mm, with, that's right. you know, their own issues. Yeah. And so that, I think that does speak uh, to your own approachability and humility mm, to even take that and be like, mm. you know what, you're right, you know, and I'm going to do better. I'm going to repent. Thing. So that, that mm. kudos I mean, to you. There are, believe it or not, there ain't enough <laughs> repentant pastors. There, there mm. are not enough repentant pastors out there. Mm. That's a whole nother story. A that's whole nother a word. episode for another day. That's uh, a word. That's a word. Pastors, that's, <laughs> there, there are too many unrepentant pastors out there, seriously, mm, 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 um, out for their own glory and their name. So, mm. um, but as you were speaking about that story, I was thinking about you know people that want the "We Are the World" poster, you know, and the, <laughs> uh, postcard, I should say. Uh, they don't. They don't want to pay for the postage stamp. Oh, they don't Lord. want to pay for the postage mm. uh, to actually send out, you know, those postcards. <laughs> so, what would you say to those um, those pastors who? Or not just pastors, but maybe congregants, you know, who are even a part of these, you know, maybe multi-ethnic churches on paper, but mm. it's not uh, practically, it's not actually lived out. There, people are still congregating in their homogenous silos within the church, uh, within those multi-ethnic churches, and mm. there, there really isn't life on life across color lines across yeah. around, you know mm -hmm. ethnic and you know cultural background so what would you say um to to those either pastors or uh or congregants who are in these churches on paper it is multi-ethnic or mm. um but it's just not functionally it it isn't there so there there that plantation diversity is still mm. in play there um, mm. how is it that they can actually begin to actually live mm. out this thing 24 7. Mm. That is a fantastic question, and that is a question that I am regularly um, mm. holding out before mm. my people because Absolutely. there there is there is no mm. such thing as arriving. You can uh, you can you can nope. progress and yeah. you can regress, uh, <laughs> no matter you know what stage you're at, you know. And so I'm constantly holding that out to my people. But I I, I here's the deal: my understanding of the way that change happens. Um, I, I I try to hold the truth out lovingly and gently to my people, and I'm not. I try not to back sure. away from saying hard things, but I I believe that like mm. we have to be loved back to our senses, and I think that the story of the gospel mm. is that you have been loved back to your senses. You the uh, listen. The whole story of the gospel is that you were the other. You were the outsider. You were the marginalized. You were the hopeless. You were the impoverished. You were that person. You were those people. And God mm -hmm. sent his son to you to make you his people. And so now mm -hmm. he's sending his mm -hmm. people to those people so that those people can become <laughs> his people, whoever those people are for you, you know? Don't get me back. Yeah, <laughs> and as I come yeah. to a close, <laughs> so you got to get me preaching in here. But like... <laughs> But I have to say, you get an organ. <laughs> yeah, I need that. I need that V three in here. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, the whole story, the whole story of the, the the kingdom is that God is after the PhD and the GED. God is after those mm -hmm. who are in the boardroom and those who are in the yeah, courtroom. Yeah. He wants the religious insiders to create accessibility for religious outsiders. He can redeem Amen. the oppressed and he can transform the oppressor. He wants those who clap Amen. on the one and three and those who clap on the two <laughs> and four. He wants those who are on Wall Street, the ordinary, ordinary people, uh, the John Legend, you know what I'm saying? And he wants those mm -hmm. who are, you know, on Main mm -hmm. Street and Wall Street. He, he wants the Cosbys and the Bradys, you know, like, so 
We have to reimagine what this Christian life is supposed to be about and what community is supposed to be about and the opportunity. I think it's self-examination. I think it's an invitation uh, to to re-examine, like think about the nature of your rescue and how that went down. And now it's it's like the 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 love of God in Jesus is what transforms us. And so what I'm always trying to sure. encourage my people to do is don't let that be in the abstract. Don't sentimentalize that. That hits the ground in action. Love acts and it acts in these ways. If God had, yeah, I mean, I often, I often use the preaching trope of like, if God had acted toward you, like you act toward those people, where would you be? Oh mm. yeah, I wish him well, mm. but I ain't got time to change my schedule for him. Oh, you know, mm. I, I like him, but I'm not mm. going to really like get close with him. You know, like mm. well wishing from mm. afar would have done us no good if God had done yes. us like we do other people. But when you see that he didn't do you like that, then that's what compels you to not do other people like that. You have the the matrix, you know, you have the the mm-hmm. the the lens through which to mm-hmm. view life and relationships. And so I'm regularly telling people today could be the day that you turn your back on a homogeneous life. Today could be yeah. the day where you end the cycle of making friends who are just like you. Today could be that day. And all it takes is repentance. And a thing I regularly encourage my people to think about is this. If you got everything you prayed for, what would you have? If you're not praying that God will expand your life and your relationships and uh, increase your capacity to feel and empathize and embrace and bring near those folks who are not like you, who don't share your sensibilities or your, you know, your core commitments, who, who didn't grow up like you grew up. If you're not praying for it, I, I think, you know, it's no surprise that you don't see it cropping up in your life. So, like, I'm trying not to make it too complicated, y'all. It's pretty 101 Christianity. Pray mm. it into your life. Yeah. Ask yeah. for the Lord to help you to see uh, what Jesus has done and who Jesus is to you in fresh ways that spark mm. repentance and faith. When you fail, don't hide it. Repent and walk mm. in newness of life. Yeah, it's just that, you know? So that's what I encourage my people to do. Like, yes. So I, I try to show them, well, it, this is another important thing to answer your question. You have to show them that living in a community of difference without really leaning into the difference is a re- repentance-worthy thing. Like, That's not okay. Mm. That's not good enough. You know, like, mm. so if they don't think it's something mm-hmm. that they have to repent of, then they're not going to repent of it. But we, I try mm. to press them, uh, my mm. people, to say, this isn't good enough. And you know what? It's a beautiful thing to see them responding to that and to see the way that they're leaning into this, to hear their prayers, the way they talk. Uh, just, I mean, it's, it, I'm very encouraged. My community is the real deal. And, um, you know, on paper, you we're like 45% people of color on paper. But like, mm-hmm. you, it's a moving target Sunday morning to Sunday morning. And so like, uh, but I think our people are taking personal responsibility. Like this is not something that goes completely on the leadership, though the leadership has an important role to play Absolutely. in this, right? So which is, you know, we got, you know, we're like mm-hmm. 50% leadership of color. Like, so I'm grateful for that. That is a grace to us. But the, the, mm-hmm. the members have to take responsibility and say, look, this is our, this is the Lord's church and this is our local expression. What are you going to do to make this 
uh, grow up into the vision that we have. So, you know, so that our, our, our values uh, will become realized because, you know, and that's another thing about cross-cultural churches. It's like sometimes, you know, churches may leave something to be desired on this front, but it's okay for churches to have aspirational values and to say, we are longing mm-hmm. to be a cross-cultural church. That's something we aspire to. We live in the tension already, not yet, but like, you know, we're, we're trying not to be about, about just optics, but we want to be about mm-hmm. the substance. You can, you can have the optics of cross-cultural and lack the substance. You can have the substance and not yet have yeah. the optics. And so uh, I think that mm-hmm. when, I, when I talk to my people about these things, I'm trying to encourage them, let's be the real deal and let's trust God to bless substance over the long haul. That's yeah. it. Well, Pastor, my life ain't going to change I, in the short. Go ahead. I got a question for you, and um, yeah. So when we look at the, we look at the literature, we see a lot of multi multi ethnic or cross cultural churches that are led by uh, majority culture pastors, so white white uh, American uh, pastors. And so I imagine there yeah. are unique mm-hmm. challenges for pastors of color of predominantly mm. white or multi-ethnic churches. And so if you could speak to yes. that, I think that would be really helpful because I, I think sure honestly, there, there are many people, even when you say cross-cultural churches, they, they assume that you're talking about a white pastor leading different types of people. They don't even have a paradigm for the mm. fact that in some of these cases, mm. there are people of color that are in leadership. And I do think there are some differences, at least from my experience. So can you just speak to that? And maybe even yeah. speak, uh, maybe some encouragement or things that you think that people of color should know that might find themselves in leadership capacity mm. in these churches? That, that's a fantastic question. I think about this all the time because I have to live this life. Um, mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that, uh, right. one of the things that, Pastors of color who lead, uh, I'll just speak as a black pastor, all right? Um, One of the things that's a challenge Mm -hmm. uh, in leading this church is you're always wondering if people are bringing your leadership into question. Like you're always wondering, Mm -hmm. like there's self-doubt there because Mm -hmm. a lot of people have never actually Mm -hmm. been under the authority of a black or brown person. And that's Mm -hmm. new to them. And so, you know, the old adage, like, you have to work twice as hard to get half as much. Like, that, I grew up hearing that mm-hmm. adage. Like, you have, mm-hmm. to, you have to be excellent. You don't have permission to be ordinary. You cannot be just okay. You have to be amazing. And that is its yeah. own self-imposed yeah. pressure that, that I have felt at times just because I feel like I have to prove that, like, I, I'm good mm-hmm. enough to be the pastor of mm-hmm. this community. And it's mm-hmm. like... Partly personality, uh, mm-hmm. but partly like it's just it's just the nature of the the cultural. It's in the air, right? Like it's just I, I I'm regularly yeah. you know feeling wondering do people trust me as their pastor? Like do people think that I'm I'm using discretion mm-hmm. in and how our resources are being used, or do they do they are they stimulated enough intellectually by the word that I'm bringing? Mm-hmm. Is it practical enough? Mm-hmm. You know, like so for me. I being half black, half white, one of the struggles I've always kind of wrestled with, uh, and it plays out in the cross-cultural church leadership, is uh, not being uh, black enough for the black folk and not being white enough for the white folk. Mm-hmm. And so you're wondering, like, uh, mm-hmm. you feel embraced by both and simultaneously rejected by both. And so, like, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a yeah. challenge to navigate that. 
But what mm-hmm. has been interesting is that we have a, we have gathered a lot of biracial people in our church. So I like seventy five percent of our yeah. children are are brown children because you know mm. they're biracial. Wow. So we got like mm. we got the target ad yeah, wow. going on in our children's ministry. Like they, they did <laughs> ambiguously brown kids. <laughs> You got you got the actual post postcard. And you I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like we have all these kids, and it's funny because when I look at them, I see that they got this like they got this community. And when I was growing up, I was the only one, and so like everyone was clearly one thing or the other, and I was caught in the middle. And so now it's like it's beautiful to me, like my kids, you know, that they're growing up in this. But when you're when you're so yeah. So anyway, like self-doubt stuff is challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes yeah. uh, it's hard. Mm. You know, they always say in counseling, like when you're sitting with someone, you're always counseling two people, yourself and the person mm. in front of you. And so like, I find that like, I'm always trying to pastor well. myself and the people who are around me and, and I'm trying to lead uh, <laughs> in repentance, trying to lead in humility and, and lead the change. Um, Amen. but also like mm. sometimes it's hard as a pastor of, of color. Like sometimes you just want this thing. Like at Sunday, I need it to be all my culture. I need this today. This was a rough week in the news. I need this service to be all my culture and all my native expression. I mm. need to get all the way there sometimes. And you know what? I don't, I, I don't, uh, eschew people who are like, look, I need to be, I, I need today. I need this Sunday to be in the mix with my people or it's a battlefield mm-hmm. right now. And in this season of life, I need yeah. to be around my people. Like I, I understand that. And I, I, I cannot um, mm-hmm. withhold that mm-hmm. from someone um, because I know what that's like. Mm-hmm. And so, but sometimes when you have to say, okay, I, mm-hmm. I don't get to make this all my culture today because mm-hmm. um, there are other people who are like, who, who are needing this <laughs> resonance, you know, that they need to be able to come in here today right. and it right. resonate with them too. So we're going to have to sing this song in Spanish and I'm working on my Espanol, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm working on it, y'all. So, <laughs> I, I mean, like, that's not ideal. That's not my native language. That's not my heart language. But when I see the way that it moves my brothers and sisters in the community, that that is their native language. When they come up to me and yeah. say, thank you, thank you, mm-hmm. uh, that in itself is its own, like, its own grace. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, yeah but That's also, but also, you know, yeah, just one more thing that, that uh, is also a challenge is on the leadership cultivation level, like leading with, like getting your team to, to, to embrace those, those same values and work that out and giving them freedom to, to, you know, to mm. flow uh, and to do their ministry, but also like trying to shape them. And a lot of them, uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're hesitant. They don't know exactly because they're well-intentioned. Like, so again, 50% of our leadership is leadership of color. So, you know, and then 50% are white. And my white brothers are, they are, mm-hmm. they are rowdy. They are rowdy about cross-cultural and they, they embody it. They live it. Um, but mm-hmm. sometimes they are wondering like, okay, I don't want to screw this up. I don't know what to do. Uh, and you know what? They're coming yeah. for answers. And guess what? Sometimes I don't know. 
I do not know sometimes, and it's okay. <laughs> We're gonna fumble through it together. <laughs> and look, this is something. Okay. This is something that I have learned There's in cross cultural and freedom. Okay. And I don't know. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. And if you're afraid of screwing it up, I mean, then you'll never actually get in the game. Yeah. You're gonna screw it up. It don't matter what culture you are. You're gonna screw it up. Yeah. But the yeah. question is, do you have the grace yeah. and humility to repent mm -hmm. and get on the road? Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Some, mm -hmm. some, some thick That's skin. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. You know, uh, Pastor Russ, you you brought up something about, um, you know, how you know. Look, this week I just need I need I need space. I need to be mm -hmm. culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. What what would you say? Um, what what is is there space for homogenous churches? Like what? What does that th that look like? Um, just even in your own f framework, um, what is the place and space for homogenous churches? Because there are people that are listening and they're probably like, look, I'm in rural wherever, or I'm in mm -hmm. Jackson, Mississippi, it's all yeah. black, or um, yeah. you know, I'm wh wherever they happen to be. And yeah. they're in all white communities, they're in all black mm -hmm. communities, they're in all yeah. Asian communities, you know, that, you know, it is America. Yeah. Um, right. And so, uh, and we have those, those very glaring um, spaces of, you know, segregation that are still here. So what would you say to people that are like, man, look, you know, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I need to be in a homogenous church or I want to, but this is where I'm living, you know, and yeah. the majority of the people here are they're black or they're Asian or they're white. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, so what's the, what's the, um, the place of homogenous churches? Is it all mm -hmm. churches need to be multi-ethnic or mm -hmm. is there space for those um, homogenous spaces? Look, I, again, I, I, I'm of the, uh, I'm of the conviction that we want to aim for our churches to reflect our place. Like we have to have a theology of place mm -hmm. in the way that we think about these right. things. Right. So one of the things, though, that I have told people right. who live mm -hmm. in rural Iowa is that you may think that's just one culture, but there are actually subcultures within that culture mm -hmm. that y'all need to love the mm -hmm. difference among you. Mm -hmm. Like there are people who mm -hmm. have to live life mm -hmm. uh, with with physical challenges. Does your church uh, have yeah. a stated yes. love for yeah. such people? Yes. You know, there are the subcultures like the, the you know, good. the punk rockers and the skaters and then the hip hop subculture. And then there's all kinds of subcultures within a particular mm -hmm. place. And so I, I, I think we want to be able to love the, the its neighbor love at its best. And that's the big picture. Mm -hmm. And then what that how that actionizes in a particular place, it should be crossing whatever existing lines there are there in that place. Mm -hmm. I do think uh, mm -hmm. that there is room for homogeneous churches, particularly on language barriers. Like, am I really, you know, gonna gonna tell if someone is a native uh, Spanish speaker that you know, and 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 they are together with other native Spanish speakers? Like, oh, you shouldn't be in that church. Like, th that that would be a little bit silly, you know. But and I think um, um, I think that there is still room. Uh, for the black church, I, I, I just I cannot, as a son of the black church, uh, yeah. I can't fail to mention the importance of the black church institutionally, but also that there is still a role for the black church mm -hmm. to play in the uplift in the in the kingdom in the big picture of the kingdom. Uh, I do think there's room there. I do think that as I read scripture, the burden is always upon the powerful to to let go of their power. Oh. To, to redirect if they have uh, mm -hmm. if they have influence like they're supposed to repurpose that like that 
because that is the essence of the gospel, that the God who had all the power used that power for the benefit of the weak, right? He used his privileges, Philippians 2, uh, not for his own selfish ends, but for us. And he allowed his existence to be permanently altered out of, the, out of love for the other. Jesus, to this very day, sits at the right hand of the Father as a human being. No mere human being, but a true human being. And so I think that it is always, based upon the gospel, yeah. it's incumbent upon the powerful to use their power mm. to include and empower and enfranchise the weak. And so I think that um, that is a consideration for majority culture churches in as much as they're homogeneous. I think that scripture challenges them to rethink what it is that they're doing that makes it difficult for people of color to be apart if they live in a diverse place. I do think that the goal long term is if I could see uh, the church and society change to the degree that people who have only ever felt free in the black church felt free to actually be a part of my church, that that would be a delight to me. That would be a big picture mm. goal because I think that think thinking in Trinitarian ways, we there is something that we reflect together of the image. There's something that we uh, reflect together sure. in yeah. that we can't do by ourselves. And we come to know more mm -hmm. and embody more uh, the image as we are doing that together in the beauty of diversity. Our God is the perfect community, unity in diversity mm -hmm. in himself. And so I am yeah. uh, hopeful that we'll head in that direction. So the answer is yes, there is still room for the homogeneous churches. I do think the church is the only institution mm -hmm. that has been intentionally designed for the benefit of those who are not yet its members. Uh, so we mm -hmm. always have to be thinking outward. Mm -hmm. We can't be ingrown. Mm -hmm. All right. That's we can't be word, ingrown. Yeah. We have to be about mm -hmm. our calling as God's missionary people in the world. But mm -hmm. I do think um, mm -hmm. there are scenarios where a church, if you come in and you look at it, it's going to look different. But I, we always need to aspire for our church to be more inclusive than their surrounding society. More mm, embraceive of difference mm. than the local society. So that's my my answer. Come on. More absolutely. Love. More well, love. well yeah. Pastor Russ, I was sitting here thinking about the number of people that we've had contact with, um, either through the podcast or just in our own different spheres of influence yes. who... And then even the, the articles and the research is starting to bubble, bubble up about folks who are just like, you know, I'm kind of done with church. Um, people, that, it could be mm. as a consequence of what has been an incredibly traumatic and conflict-rich political climate and uh, season in our country, um, all kinds of reasons. It could be uh, mm. even more specific church, church hurt incidences. And um, I just wondered mm. if you could speak to... Uh, to our listeners, those who are have have one foot out of the church or completely out of the church or just not, you know, they're not believers at all, um, mm. or people who are yeah. wanting to encourage someone that that they feel like is like, you know, what I'm kind of done with this. I just, you know, this either they they feel like this is the white man's religion uh. and is out to destroy me, or uh. um, yeah. the church is a bunch of hypocrites, uh. or I'm just I'm just hurt and I or I just don't uh -huh. think I'll be accepted. So. Can you just offer maybe some encouragement about the purpose of the church and the purpose for them uh, in the church? Yeah, mm. it's good. Thank you. Uh, that is such a fantastic uh, reflection uh, opportunity. First of all, what I'd say to you, dear listener, is I'm sorry. 
I am sorry uh, the, mm. that you have experienced uh, alienation from the church. Like, I think the first thing you should see is a humble people saying we have screwed up and we have really failed in many ways and on many occasions to demonstrate or live up into the values we claim to hold. Uh, and so in whatever ways that has wounded you, alienated you, uh, made you feel hurt, um, I am I am sorry. And I, 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 I can empathize with you because that was my story. When I left home to go to college, I left the church. Uh, I didn't want anything. I didn't really want to be invested in church. I was a musician, so I liked music. So I was in New York City. I went to church every Sunday, but I went for the music. I didn't, wasn't really going. It was a cultural mm-hmm. experience for me. I was going to Hezekiah mm-hmm. Walker's church. Mm-hmm. I was getting it in. I was going to Brooklyn Tabernacles <laughs> Choir. I was going to all different kind of, I was all over the place. And, uh, and you, <laughs> I know. I mean, every Sunday. Look, I was at the church. Look, I was. <laughs> we be clubbing. Yeah, I was everywhere. Like I was in the club Saturday night, and I was in the church on Sunday morning, and uh, I was getting it in. And and here's the thing. Here's the thing. And, and honestly, uh, this is what really uh, brought me back. Is I I, I kind of had the Peter experience. Where else will I go? Like, where else am I going to go? Mm-hmm. Like, if I if I want this world to be just then where do I find the resources for that? Where do I find a mandate for that? Where do I, where do I get the framework for that? I, I think that there is something profound in the Christian faith. I think that a lot of the, the stories of failure have belonged to the church, but I think that a lot of the stories of beauty and victory have belonged to the church. And I think we have to lift our eyes mm-hmm. above the American mm-hmm. church to realize that the American church is not the center of the world. Uh, it's not the center of the church. (laughs) It's not, this is a global community. And I think that as we look back, you know, like this church that God started, uh, this started in the, in the middle East. Uh, it was cradled in Africa, in Asia, in Asia minor. Like it wasn't Uh for a long time until this became, uh, embraced by white people. That's just, these are the facts of church history. Uh, now, every culture gets a hold of the right. faith. <laughs> yeah, every cu- culture gets a hold of the faith, and there are certain beauties that come through, and there are certain broken things that come through. And we have to own the brokenness. And um, mm-hmm. we, I guess what I'm saying is this. Yes, in as much as we have been hypocrites, like we ask for forgiveness, mm-hmm. but I would encourage you to rethink this very question. Here's the question. Here's the question. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Did he get out of the grave? Mm-hmm. And if he did, mm-hmm. then it's mm-hmm. worth everything mm-hmm. to try and figure out mm-hmm. how you can find a home in a local community in the church where you can thrive, Come where on. you can begin to work through Come things on. with people. If he didn't rise from the dead, then we're all wasting our time, right? This is, this is a pointless exercise. I've wasted my life mm-hmm. being a pastor mm-hmm. uh, trying to guide people around a lot, if that is true. But we believe mm-hmm. that he did rise from the dead. And because he rose mm-hmm. from the dead, that makes that makes mm-hmm. the end of the story hopeful, that he will make all things new and that we're on that list. Yeah. And Amen. we can struggle together mm-hmm. with other people. Uh, we have the resources for not just loving people who are like us, but enemy love, loving the difference, wow. persevering with people. Mm-hmm. I think all of the things mm-hmm. that we oh. really 
really long for as human beings. Everything is really grounded when you when you when you look at the guts of the Christian faith. There's nothing more global than the Christian faith. There there is mm. you know, it stretches us to think in fresh mm-hmm. ways. I think that what our hearts really long for, acceptance, right? Now you could you could try to get acceptance by being mm-hmm. successful and 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 having a good career and having lots of money and having a nice house and all that kind of stuff, but you won't really down to the bottom feel accepted. That won't do it. But what if you were known down to the bottom yeah. and you were accepted mm. all the way mm. because of because of the love of God and Jesus? Like you're looking for acceptance, you're looking for validation, Hallelujah. right? So you try to do it through you know uh, achievement and and you've gotten degrees and and you've worked at prestigious places and you worked at Goldman Sachs and and, uh, and you were working on Wall Street or you were on this particular you know team or committee or whatever. You're trying to get validation that at the end you never really that doesn't do it but what if mm. what if you were validated and you were called god's beloved because of the good news mm. of jesus and trusting in him that your identity comes from his performance not your own like how how freeing is that like you, you're killing yourself trying to get all of these things and and all of it is offered in the gospel like look if he rose from the dead and you trust in him, then you will be raised up too. And that there's the power to press on in this life. And so I guess what I'm saying is I'm asking you to consider what are you chasing? What do you want out of life? And then I want you to see that those other things, they, they can't deliver. They're false promises. They're empty promises. They can't deliver. God is always true to his promises. And the resurrection is the guarantee that he is true to his promise. So I would I would invite you to consider Amen. the resurrection. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So that's good. I can go all day on that. You know Thank what I'm saying? Thank you so much for that. Yeah. I'm just rocking in my chair. Hey. I'm just rocking in my chair. Go ahead. I'm hearing the my... organ coming in at the mind. I'm like, come on, Jesus. Come on. Come on. He got up. He got up. Hey. He got up. Because <laughs> every, every Sunday is Easter up. for black preachers. Yeah. Come on, somebody. You know <laughs> it is. Get up. Ain't no point for truth table. Ain't no That's reason right. why we on this mic. There's no Come reason on. why. Come on. Oh, my God. He's That's just right. too good. So that That's was, right. thank you for preaching that gospel. Yeah, you just, absolutely. You just bless my soul right now. Hey, um, And I'm going to try to close this out. So, you know, but I'm just feeling like, come on, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Ghost. And so... <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, seriously, we want to thank you, yes. Pastor Ross. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Gladly, thank you. I just Gladly. praise God for just his calling on your life. I do. Mm, I do. You, you are a pastor's pastor. You mm, are the real deal. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, sister. Um, yeah. You know, as, as old saying, sure. some, some, mm. some were sent and some just went. Hey. <laughs> you were sent, my brother. <laughs> and, so, and I'm glad about it. I, I am you. glad about. It. <laughs> Appreciate you, know, you. I am glad that you were sent. I really am. Thank you, God so, bless and, you. And I, of course, you. so we thank you for coming and sitting at the table with little old mm, us. Come on, thank you. <laughs> and what of an course, honor. we want to thank our listeners for taking a seat at the table with us. We love y'all. Um, mm. So then let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about uh, multi 
ethnic churches, a foretaste of heaven or bulwarks of white supremacy. Um, use the hashtag truths table, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at truths table, or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on the Satchel podcast player. Truths table is made possible in part by Pottery studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath and our executive producer is Bo York. And we have been your hosts, Akemini and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.